0: With Steve
1: Nudelberg, here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book in hardcover, paperback, and audio all the way to 56. I don't know about you, but I think old school, I think Lawrence Taylor has to with be 56, right? has
0: to be Lawrence yeah, Taylor.
1: You, just, you go right there for it. So here we are to 5'6", just like that. Damn.
0: Just like that. It's a good week for us. You've know, got Honda in town. It's a
1: Honda Classic week for those of you listening, wherever you may be, whenever you may be. But we are approaching the first round, which would be two days from the taping of this. Correct. Of the Honda Classic straight through the weekend. And
0: you do live out there. I'm out there. All running and running. gunning. Live television, live we radio, have, uh, after parties. Young Noodleberg is in the house. I today. saw that. I saw that. This a nice little guest audience. He said he was in Allentown,
1: Pennsylvania, where it was 19 degrees, and he's got a sweater on, and he's in Palm Beach right now, where it's currently 81 degrees. <laughs> And he's still got a sweater on.
0: <laughs> Young Noodleberg.
1: lose the sweater. we got a, a t-shirt for you in the prize closet over that's here. That's
0: not a sweater. He's just hairy.
1: No. <laughs> well, he's hairy and maroon. So that's troubling on both so, ends. Uh, introduce us, please, to your guest today. He is the CEO at condo.com. Which is a great domain that I probably should have parked once upon a time, circa 1996 myself, had I thought about it. But. So
0: uh, I think one of the greatest things about this show is I get to invite on people that are friends, mm-hmm. people that I've done business with, and people that I admire, and our friend uh, Richard Swerdlow. Nails all three, checks all three of those boxes. You, Friend,
1: business, and admire, and admire. What do you admire? What do you admire How about Richard, like That bullshit. It's not bad. <laughs> it's true though. Right? We've known each other for 25 years. It's unbelievable. What do you admire about Richard Swardlow? Uh,
0: he's a, a guy that is not afraid to innovate. So uh, we para- our careers paralleled when we were in the cellular phone business. Mm-hmm. We had mutual respect at that time because we were both building big businesses, and look at us. Uh, 25 years later, and we're in different businesses. He has done amazing things in and on the Internet, and we're constantly throwing things against each other, trying to work together, trying to, you know, and it's great. You know, it's just you always know – that when we talk to each other, something's good yep. is going to happen. Steve's
2: filled with good energy all the time, so I love love uh, being with you. I appreciate the uh, invite for uh, showing yeah, fifty six. Thank you for yeah.
0: the intro. Listen, listen. Uh, he was a little president. nervous because of the message you sent.
1: But well, you should be. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
0: it's okay. I can handle it. I
1: I Send a, a very direct email to all involved, going, listen, let's stop mailing this in. Okay, it's put a little effort for it. People are actually <laughs> listening. There's an audience around the world. Let's do it. All right. You know, do you want to just be good <laughs> enough? No,
0: good enough's not good enough. If if it was easy, anyone could do it. And I. I we're not just anyone. I like having people hold me accountable. That's exactly right. Because so, I hold everybody else accountable.
1: Yes, as well you should. Richard, uh, entrepreneurship is a theme here throughout. Steve referenced it to you in regard already. you Remember your earliest uh, visions of entrepreneurship? Some folks have a lemonade stand. Some uh, kids would, uh, would sell cinnamon toothpicks at middle school, yep. uh, a tremendous markup. Do you remember when you realized that you had the spirit not to work for someone but to be your own industry? I do. Started very early in high school. I grew up in a town called Great Neck in uh,
2: New York, mm-hmm. and I designed and built a Monopoly game around my hometown called what? Wheeler Dealer Great Neck. Did you really? So I, I did the even that story. That's awesome. Went out, sold every sort of uh, shoe store and retailer in uh, Middle Neck Road, which is the uh, main oh. thoroughfare in Great Neck, and. Uh,
0: wow. Stored it all back then. Thanks. So
1: you created a board game to emulate Monopoly. Correct. But then you got sponsorships from all the local businesses. It was basically
0: illegal, but... You got it. Well, let me call the. I'd like to introduce building. you to
1: uh, the Parker Brothers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Bring it up with them. So, so that was the
2: first uh, sort of taste of uh, my entrepreneurial bug that I
0: got. Fantastic. I really did not know that. But that was a cool town to do it in. Because it was very high end. It was very town, high end. You
2: know, guys were willing to spend, right. uh, you know, 500 bucks for uh, to have their name on the board. Yeah, was cool. Yeah. So, so, was the
1: game actually produced or was it a giant Ponzi scheme slash pyramid yeah. deal? It, it was produced. I think they sold four games
2: good. in the uh, local store. <laughs> hey. but, but it was good branding. But you gave it, local
0: gave it a he shot. You gave it a shot. We a shot. should search shot. for the game, man. It's out there. Exactly. It's out there.
1: All right. So, your journey, everyone's story is different. Steve's told his, many guests have shared theirs. But, uh, you know, today, CEO at condo.com, back in the day, a quarter century ago, you and Steve, cell phone business. But your journey along the way was, I guess, defined by? So, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I figured lawyers
2: had an edge up in anything they did from a business perspective. So, I started my career getting a law degree. You got a law degree. Got a law degree. And before it became cool to go into outer space, mm-hmm. I was a space lawyer. <laughs> And a space a, a space lawyer. Please so, elaborate. So guys, so, guys so now it's become trendy. So Bezos has his own space company right. and uh, Musk has his own space company. Right. So I developed literally, I'm not bullshitting, an, an expertise in space law. And I went to work for the Department of Transportation and the Federal Government Agency mm-hmm. and they had a division called the uh, Office of Commercial Space Transportation. In order to commercialize the launch of uh, commercial launch vehicles in outer space, Mm -hmm. well, from the U.S., from the U.S., right? And the idea was we would use U.S. uh, launch facilities at the Cape, and then we'd launch private satellites. And then from that uh, sort of job experience of the uh, federal government, I went to work for McDonnell Douglas. McDonnell Douglas, back in the day, it's a defense contractor. Right? They were one of one of the three that had commercial launch vehicles and the key was always price per pound to orbit. Price Price. per pound to orbit. Could you deliver satellites and payloads into space mm-hmm. at a cost-effective price now all of this Did is you
0: kidnap my friend who, who
1: the hell are you all man? of this is news to steve because notice i ask good questions yes. i don't read the ones that are on the you sheet you shamed
0: me i do see not this? know any of the well, well, i'm, like, I'm giving steve i figured
2: i should bring my a game and give you a little sort of backstory on all this uh, stuff i have never heard any of
1: this we're like seven minutes in and already you're learning about good questions it's incredible Let's See how that works you so, know what
0: you should probably do this for a living
1: well It's funny you should say that. I'm thinking about a career change into doing this for a living, from not doing this from a living very well. So pound per price per pound to orbit orbit was the the key,
2: and the federal government that used the space shuttle very sort of inefficient, Mm -hmm. and the whole race today that you see twenty years later is single stage to orbit and being able to return, Mm -hmm. and that's what Bezos did, not Bezos. That's what Musk did successfully. If you saw him sort of launch into outer space and then return. And by using reusable. What about Branson, we forget about Branson. Branson, uh, he hasn't done it yet, okay. but he's gonna—he'll be there. But now, 20 years later, it's actually. And, a, and it's what, a thing. what is
0: the value of doing that? What 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 is you know?
2: So there's a couple of things. First, space travel, right? The tourism always leads it. So you got a lot of billionaires around the world that are booking, wow. um, you know, uh, space travel. Mm-hmm. Then, when I was in the in the business, it was always this concept of finding unobtainium. Could you grow crystals and could you create something in a lab in zero gravity that would cure cancer or would uh, solve some problem wow. on, uh, you know, in the Earth environment? That you can't
1: do inside. That, that, that you
2: can't do here in a lab because of the effects of gravity. Uh-huh. So I'll fast forward. I went to work for a big law firm down here called Greenbrook-Trorig as a bond lawyer. Right. And
0: I know a lot of the guys there. Yeah. I mean, it's, so wow.
2: So the idea was that we could build space facilities using bonds. And in the state of Florida, there's a quasi-public-private entity called the Spaceport Florida Authority that has uh, billions of dollars of bonding capacity. Mm -hmm. I went to work for Greenberg to figure out how we could represent that entity and sort of stay in the space game. And it was a little early. I got sort of tied up in the politics. I remember doing a big RFP. And I really, as a young lawyer, knew more about the commercial space business than anyone. But the other law firm had, I think, Bobby Brantley's who was the lieutenant governor at the time, and they won the RFP, and I got disenchanted and realized that it's all a bunch They're of politics. They're politicizing everything's the, you know, politics. What do you mean it's who
0: you know? It doesn't
2: <laughs> matter how much you knew. It was Fair. who you knew. So right. that was my sort of uh, early uh,
1: run in the space Fabulous. I, I mean, this is... Space I, cowboy. Love it. Space cowboy. Forget about condo.com. He's a space cowboy. I will he never look it. at you the same way. Well, thank God. Now, so, um, so what was interesting already is... At the beginning of this, you said, well, I wanted to figure out business. I, f- I figured if I, if I studied law, I'd have an edge up. I'd have an advantage when it came to all things business. It, 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 elaborate upon that ideology because it has a little bit to do with the idea of, well, I'm going to win an argument. I'm going to understand precedent and be able to counter. There's a debate club aspect to this. I mean, sure. you, I mean, Stephen A. Smith, who's a sports broadcaster and opinion maker, it has, a, has a law degree. Everyone has decided that. That you did, I guess, before them, the idea of hey, if I have a law degree, well, from there I can sh- have an edge. It's, up also in a, business. it's also
0: a certain kind of thinking. There's a it is. Logic. That's, what I'm, that's what I'm. asking. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So the way they
2: teach you to think in law school, it's very efficient. You're only using the sort of exacting words. You're able to research anything, but but more importantly, at the table with a bank with a partner. You, you don't have an age necessarily, but you're less likely to get taken advantage of. Uh, yeah. And and in small matters today in my business for the past 20 years, reviewing a nondisclosure agreement, drafting a simple contract or an affiliate agreement, instead of spending a lawyer 500 an hour, 800 an hour, I can execute some of my own work. Now, the, the story is... An attorney that represents himself as a schmuck for a client holds true. So in, you def- in defense law. You don't want to really do all your legal work, but little things you can handle, and it just gives you the, the ability to execute on your and, own. And it's also
0: better. somewhat, you know, if people know that you're an attorney, they may be less likely to... Pulls some games because... It, it, exactly. you know So it's a defensive, defensive play. It's, Right, it's a defensive play.
1: Immediately, yeah. Yeah. those cards on the table. So he's a space cowboy. Your friend's a space cowboy. He had no idea. And now... Uh, and he's also a Steve Miller fan. And he's also a Steve Miller fan. Well, right. you got to get that reference, right? <laughs> right. I'm a Space right. cowboy... <laughs> Bet you didn't know about that, but you didn't know that either. It's I didn't know that. Either. Steve Miller actually wrote the song. So when uh, the president said a few months ago that he's initiating the launch of the uh, the U.S. Space Force, people right. laughed.
2: I-, I picture the uh, Mel Brooks movie Spaceballs, and I think everybody <laughs> did too when when that sort of proclamation about a space force. But I think it, it already exists inside. DOD or maybe uh, inside the Air Force, they have something mm-hmm. specific to uh, space. I'm not sure how new that uh, And in the is. FEMA
1: Guide, in the FEMA Guide, there is uh, a, not a chapter, but there are pages devoted to extraterrestrial contact. There's actual U.S. government protocol to that. You're a space cowboy. What do you know about the UFO situation? Uh,
2: I don't know much about it. I, you know, I, I, nah, I believe, he's lying to us. I, 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 he's I, lying I believe, to us right now. Uh, he well, have problems. to kill us. They're <laughs> not here <laughs> alone, but... You know, I, I can't really speak about uh, aliens, UFOs, but I think it's it's good that people are now paying attention to getting into uh, space, like you said, with Branson, with Musk, and Bezos. It's a very capital intensive business. the The challenge that the U.S. government has is that typically they've got single year appropriations for big space projects, mm-hmm. so that when you wanted to do a project, they had to go back to OMB or Congress to get funded. Our competitors, whether it's China or the European Space Agency, they have these multi year um, appropriation cycles. So that's why they were sort of getting a leg up in a, in a lot of the programs. Um, but I think things are changing now that it's getting into the private sector. Again. Did a nice
1: job there of trying to get me away from the question of your knowledge of extraterrestrial existence. He's space exactly. a spacecraft. Nice did a nice job avoiding exactly. that. Exactly. The problem is, you know, kind you of like Christopher Flitch. Coming, back,
2: <laughs> coming back to the but, aliens. Um, you know, I know that a lot of people are using their computers to... Um, search. I guess they use excess computing power to mm-hmm. search for radio signals and right. things. Right. Um, another interesting thing that Steve probably doesn't know is because of my interest in outer space, I became a very big Arthur C. Clarke fan as a kid and became a, a pen pal of Arthur C.
1: Clarke before, before he
2: passed away. The,
1: the science fiction writer. Steve two, had no 2001 idea.
2: 2001: Space Do you
0: Odyssey. Do you see why now I ask the questions? This, this is, is not the guy I invited on the show. That's exactly. what I'm telling well, hey, you. Well, was in the phone
2: You wanted guy. more stuff. You wanted the sort of basic <laughs>
1: stuff. I thought I'd give you a little more. Okay, uh, you were, this is not the guy that you know. I'm leaving. Okay. <laughs> is, it, is
0: it possible that the aliens have
1: replicated? And then, so that's exactly. what really what you're... Holy
0: cow. I mean, you know what? Shame on me. We're not. No, we don't spend enough time social We well, don't together. spend enough. I mean, whatever.
2: So we chit chat about business, but right. we're really sort of in the moment on the business. How would you know about my uh,
0: relationship with Arthur? It's true. I, it's fabulous, though. I mean, it's
1: it's another great distraction to try and get me off of the existence of extraterrestrial life. Right? He,
0: he's going to follow you home. Two thousand
1: right. in, in, in December of twenty seventeen, the Pentagon admitted that we had. The ATIP program, right, the Advanced uh, Aerial Identification Program, funded by U.S. taxpayers. And they also released a video that came from a Navy jet in which you hear the pilot saying, what is that thing, I don't know. And then they were trying to, and then, so the Pentagon admitted, yes, we have a program that ran for five years. Harry Reid was part of that. You're involved in space. There is a, there isn't a, a it seems the government's being more forthcoming and honest about the fact that there are things that we don't know what they are, we don't know where they're from, or possibly when they're from. It could be time travel, but at least the government's admitted that millions of your tax dollars have been spent to try and figure out what these things are. Sorry, ghostwriter, that pattern is full. <laughs> Richard, would you like to address?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I, I got to use. Uh, do you do this? I got to <laughs> use the reference to me as a uh, space expert very lightly. So, even though I've I, I've got a, a background in it and I sort of practice some more related to it, I'm not up to date on all the current sort of space
1: protocols and
0: this particular thing we're talking about. All right. so. Yeah, no,
1: I'll I'll give you guys after we're doing the people want to research it. Washington Post had this story. Um, there's a program that the, the pentagon ran and i think harry reed spurred it but it was kept under wraps and but now they're like listen we did this for five years because there are things we don't know what they are they didn't say they're from other worlds or galaxies they just said we're trying to research these flying objects we don't know what they're so for the first time it's precedent setting that the u.s government has said we spent money and here's a video we don't know what this was look i think it would be
2: a little egocentrical for all of us to think we're the only form of intelligence life in this massive
1: beautiful universe so didn't just I would find have to eight, agree. Didn't they just find 800 billion new galaxies?
0: Wasn't that discovery it, 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 late last week? Listen, here's I heard that Robert Kraft is going to use this as a defense. Oh <laughs> boy! I know, we,
1: we quickly look at how quick we are. Uh, huh? So you're teaming up together now. You're trying to suppress the truth. Space Cowboy over here only wants us to. Nobody wants us want to know. hear
0: about the phone business. That really makes that. That's where I connect. I mean, I love the fact that you have this background. I did not know that, but I've always liked you because. You're you were willing to do different stuff. You were different than most of the other entrepreneurs that I knew. You, you guys def- were
1: competitors in, in the phone space. No, not at all. No, he—he no.
0: he, at least the way I remember it, you—you you took a space that was wide open. Like I was selling lots of phones, mm-hmm. lots of phone service. Sure. Along with that came accessories.
2: Yeah. So Steve was, if you remember, who was with ABC, He was the voice and the partner in ABC Cellular that really grew their business back in the day. Um, selling phones was the big deal. Mm-hmm. In order to get an accessory, you had to drive up to Commercial Boulevard to Cellular One. Correct. Before AT&T acquired Cellular <laughs> oh, One. Mm. And the reason all the innovation took place in Florida is because it's so <laughs> flat. So you could put cell towers everywhere. Right. So I used to drive up and sit literally like you were in a bakery with a number to wait to get a car charger or a battery. And a light bulb went off and said, Why are we waiting in this little waiting room? Why don't we do a print catalog and hand the catalog out to every resident everywhere? And out of that, we developed a business, which initially was stores. We had some kiosks. We then did a print catalog. And then back in 1993, believe it or not, and there's probably people in the room that weren't even born in 93, we launched the first website related to cell phones and accessories, And my kids, the first self, the first first website website related, I was pitching and I built, believe it or not, my kids are tired. Every time I go to an AT&T store, they got to hear me tell the poor salesman (laughs) there that I (laughs) I built the the first website for AT&T to sell their cell phones, literally like four or five. Um, Oh, it's a real
0: story though. I mean, this is way ahead of its game.
2: So we realized that accessories were a big business. There was a lot of margin in these accessories. So we really built an accessory business. And then we rolled that into a nationwide retailer of phones, where we, we could pre-program a phone on any carrier: AT and T, Bell South, uh, Primeco, whoever it was. At the Primeco, time. remember Primeco? Primeco of course. Nextel,
0: Nextel, all, up, all these right, guys. Yeah. Uh, Sprint,
2: Singular. Right,
0: Singular, which came after Bell South, right? Yeah.
2: So, but but we we had a warehouse. We'd take a phone call in our call center. You give us your zip code. You'd pick a plan, and we'd pre-program the phone and ship it out to you overnight with the a bunch of accessories.
1: So you are finding ways to make people's lives easier. Exactly. And that's really, isn't that really just, I mean, let's bring a full circle. You're talking 25 years. First of all, I want to say this. Good job on the website, but I think you guys are a little short sighted. I think cell phones are a fad. I'm not I like the hula hoop, <laughs> They're but I'm going to go stick with it. You know, my mom said the same thing. She said, What? You're a it's lawyer.
2: A what do you be? Well, how come you're not a lawyer anymore? You're, you're space, selling free. You're <laughs> selling cell phones. What is this?
1: Because nobody ever imagined that we'd have a device in our pocket that would be our movie theater, our entire encyclopedia. All of our photo albums, all of our music category library. No one ever imagined, and it would make telephone calls, and you could communicate with anyone instantly, like the Jetsons. Uh, Dick Tracy's watch. Yep. Uh, you know, no one ever uh, imagined that, that was going to be possible. So there's a little bit of like seeing the future, but really, this is about a theme that, like I was saying, bring it full circle. Isn't the whole rise of Amazon just that it makes people's lives easier? Isn't it just I can push the button on top of my washer and it knows to automatically send me more detergent through the mail? Yep. I mean, isn't isn't Taco Bell now is advertising that they're going to deliver to you uh, for free, they're going to deliver to you for free your Taco Bell food? It's all about convenience, but,
2: Everything more, it's, but, but it's about helping people. I think when Bezos set out, it was how could he help all these people through the use of this technology? Mm-hmm. And I think he's done a good job. He's delivered on the promise and, you know, Become the richest. But every the advent,
1: I mean, how many different food delivery services are there now? Four. There's four different. There's Grubhub delivery dudes, dine and dash, Uber Eats.
2: I uh, I, I use cravy. Oh, another, Amazon too. too. Amazon's got their own uh, delivery
1: right. service coming too. So so what I'm saying is, it seems like everything is trying to just. You're going to stay at home. You're going to be where you are. Everything's coming to you nesting, yeah. because it's it's a nesting culture. It's going to be virtual reality, but you saw. I don't want to drive up to Commercial Boulevard and wait in line and that. We're going to give it to the people. It was a print catalog you sent forward in the mail, and nowadays it's now you say, hey, uh, Alexa, to the speaker, uh, order more uh, detergent, and the neck, or the button that you stick on top of your washer, you push that one time, and it automatically knows. Everything is to make your life easier. So, That's so the business here, here's more.
0: a really cool takeaway, because I can actually remember sitting in our boardroom and then hearing about this, or one of our customers showed it to us, and it was like, miss, you know, so, you yeah. know, part of being an entrepreneur is recognizing those opportunities, taking the risk to create it, build it, and then actually launch it because we were the predominant player at the time. We should have done that and could have done that, but, you know, that's the nature of how companies ebb and flow and, right. you know, so that's why I, and I instantly called him and said, I got to come see you. Uh, this was great. and that, I remember visiting. Yeah, yeah, no, we,
2: we looked at a problem. It was a problem that we, we saw in the marketplace and we jumped into the opportunity
0: and you did the same thing in in real estate now in,
2: in the real estate space now so fast forward several years uh-huh. um but what, what happened? We sold the business in the year 2000 to ultimately to a division of federated
1: stores. Isn't it funny how we all use the phrase the year 2000? Exactly. Because because remember in the 80s and 90s, that we was talked about it. the year 2000. Instead of saying we sold it, because if it was all one, you said we sold the business in all one. But for 2000, we sold the business in the year 2000. Because
0: that was supposed to be the end of it all. It was, remember? It was, <laughs> it was uh, Y2K. Be <laughs> Everything,
1: everyone spent all this money on Y2K to hey, change their computers. Admit, we admit when you watch that clock, it's at 11.59. 59 go. You held your breath for a second. <laughs> exactly. It made, we did. Dick Clark was counting it down in Times Square. We all held our breath for a second just to make sure planes didn't fall out of the sky. I mean, I remember having plus money. I had no debt. I had money in the bank, so I remember thinking like, no, I hope it doesn't like you know wipe out all that of could the go away Right, but nobody but, knew. But like today, I hope it wipes out. Like I hope today just it, the glitch, and <laughs> well, then nobody knows. All like, debt's gone. No, all never. debt's gone. Everything. Yeah, it'd be great if that was the was case.
0: All. Yeah. So you were saying uh, year two thousand, you sold the so, business. So we
1: sold the business.
0: After I had a a little success, I went
2: and joined the family real estate development business. My dad's been a a sort of prominent developer in South Florida. He's built a lot of big projects, including the Dolphin Mall and now Biscayne Landing. So they were building data centers at the time. So because of my telco background, I went and helped them build a couple of million feet of data centers, which are these category five hurricane-proof big boxes Mm. for Bell South, for Telefonica. And we built, built a lot of them. And then when the Sort of first condo cycle happened around 2004, 2005. We started to build condos all up and down the East Coast. And a partner and I were driving to a project we had in Daytona, and we saw a billboard with a couple of people, a couple of girls with high heels and drinks, and it was promoting pre construction condos. <laughs> and the world was going crazy for pre construction. I don't yeah. know if you remember back in the day, but we always like to say As an investment. It, as an investment. So. Sometimes I'll use the landscaper example. Like when your landscaper tells you to do something, whether it's buying some high flying stock or a pre-construction condo, the game's over. Mm. Or when a stripper says, Hey, I'm buying pre-construction condos, game's definitely over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we saw this phenomenon. But you saw the billboard though. We saw the billboard and we said, What are they selling? There's all this hype back in the internet. When the internet hype was happening, there was a magazine called The Industry Standard. I don't know if you remember that magazine, but it blew up with advertisers, and you really had no idea what they were selling. There was mm-hmm. just so much hype. Everybody, everything had to be a .com, 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 Oh, yeah. So the same thing was happening in pre-construction. Literally, there were people camping outside these uh, crappy apartment buildings that were being converted to condos to buy them at pre-construction prices to flip them. And people that shouldn't have been in the condo business got in, mm-hmm. and a lot of them lost their shirts. But partner and I said, geez, Looking now, five years or 10 years in the future, what should we do? We said there's gonna be a massive global oversupply of condos, let's create a marketplace that can create liquidity similar to what, for example, Hotels.com did in the hotel space. So we immediately went back to the office, this was 2005, and we founded and started something called U.S. Condo Exchange. And the idea was that condos, unlike single-family homes, would trade like stocks on a securities market because they basically trade, like Steve says, Uh they're they're a box in the sky. Right. Price per square foot. A guy in Miami could buy something in Dubai. A guy in uh, Mexico City buy something in Panama. Mm -hmm. You really didn't have to see them. They were being sold off of a plan. Mm -hmm. So we launched U.S. Condo Exchange, and the idea was we'd aggregate um, properties from real estate developers, and we'd have a successful business. A couple of years into it, the founders of hotels.com came to me after their non-competes um they both had very good exits i think they sold hotels.com for 600 million bucks or something mm-hmm. successful yeah they came and said look we like your business but we know a little bit about marketing you have to have the exact match domain mm-hmm. meaning you have to have condo.com right. and you have to have condos.com correct so I didn't. You mentioned the, earlier that you wish you had hand-redged a lot of names early right. in the day. Yeah. I didn't register these. Oh boy. So I went out, and part of the deal with these investors was I'd get these domains on the contract, and then at closing, they'd put the money up. So I got both domains, condo and condoandcondos.com, on the contract. Mm-hmm. And at the 11th hour, there started to be some retrading, and it didn't work with these investors. And I looked at my wife, and she said, look, if you want to be the condo guy, you got to go all in. So we pushed all the chips on the table, so to speak, mm-hmm. and I closed on condo and condos.com, uh, you know, pushed all the savings in, and uh, here we are. So we built it into a meaningful business um, at that sort of critical juncture of making that decision. Did we want to be the player in the space?
1: You're betting on yourself. Yep. And,
0: You're betting on and yourself. And the takeaway for this show is putting all the chips in man. you know there is no middle ground with entrepreneurs nope. you're either in or you're out well there's that And another takeaway
1: I got is that it sounds to me like your life you've looked for opportunity not people while well, I'm waiting for an opportunity there's no waiting I tell people with opportunities pretend the opportunity you know your dream is like your phone and a random dog starts running off with it you're gonna wait for it to come back you can go chase that down and it sounds to me like you also look for solutions to problems Yes. And you've been very successful in life by going, ooh, there's a problem here. I bet I can build an American dream off creating the solution. Agreed. I, th- I think one of the keys, and everybody's got you know, their own
2: keys to success, but one of the keys is looking at where you can help people and where is there a sort of a pain point. And our pain point in the condo space was we wanted to create liquidity. We knew there was going to be a lot of inventory. And how would that inventory, how could we create a marketplace to allow the sellers and the owners of that inventory find buyers and by connecting them and creating sort of democratizing information and creating liquidity, we thought we would solve a, a problem. And by being a problem solver not just sort of taking and how much money can I make, I think ultimately you, you, you build sort of more continuity and you can build a better business by looking at how you can help people.
1: Entrepreneurial has to have with it the idea of problem solving, looking for ways to improve existing ideas, looking for ways to solve you know, when they ran out of space, they says, well, hell, we got to build. Uh, figure out how to build up, right? New York City's built on the idea of we can't go out. So like you said, we go up. Spaces, boxes in the sky.
0: Yep. You know, it's interesting because it even parlays into sales. If you don't uncover what someone's problem is, you're not going to do business with them. Oh, correct. Where, where is the, you know, so it's it's entrepreneurial, but it's also, you know, sales is fact-saving. problem solving. Yeah, right. Everything's Everything
2: sales. Right. And, you know, but, so but you're right. Too many salespeople these days are just trying to get the money they're just pushing their Ooh, product right. <laughs> they have no understanding of what the real issue is what does their particular prospect need and they fall flat we, the we just
0: got an email a, a, a it was a blast email through linkedin and the young lady was saying i'd like to have a conversation with you um about your challenges because i know we have the perfect solution <laughs> and I was like, she not the challenges you, are. How could you know what the perfect solution is? Right. You know, I mean, she don't know and, the challenges, but she, say, it was like, yeah. this is what the world has come to. So when I hear that, that's part of the entrepreneurial spirit that good salespeople have that the the rest of the pack do not. I They're just identify trying to make a transit.
1: what the problems the problem, are, the challenges then,
0: are. Do I have the no, wherewithal to to solve that problem? You, you can't trick
2: people anymore. There's no trick, tricking. No. It's right. all the, all marketing is now permission based. What do, what will people request of you as opposed to you forcing something on them because people have banner blindness, they don't want to be sold. There's too many different
0: options today. I like. funny. I train this all day yeah. and all the time, and I did not phrase it as permission-based. I've heard that in other all places, is permission but that's based. a yeah. really good takeaway There's for today, take-away. really good takeaway that... <laughs> Oh, everything is permission based. If I don't like you, go away. Exactly. CEO
1: at condo.com dot oh, com. should have registered that domain back in nineteen ninety six? You should have. And condos.com I should have registered that one also, and then just really squatted on it. You sold them to me. me, and then sold them to you. I gave uh, you. I give you a great deal, though. I would gave you a great thank deal. You, thank you, uh, Richard Swordlow, Thank you for the time, for the insight. You were awesome. And bro. then, thank and then you, we thank turn thank these you. mics off. You can tell us the truth about what you know about what's out there. You got it. <laughs> Sound <laughs> good, it. Steve? Let it up, Steve. We don't ask people how you doing. We tell them to. Tell us something good, and you're holding up. Let me guess. You're holding up an issue of the Palm Beacher Magazine, and there's the best catches for February. Look and then in, I made the list. Look at yeah. my boy. Is that about me? Wow, is this really your nice. something?
0: Your something good? Is about me something, being in there? Something good is uh, just a public thank Unreal. you to you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you holding my feet to the fire every week. You bring it, and uh, so there's some somebody out there. This is a good man. Well, That's what's I, something good today.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm a little moved to be honest. It's very, very.
0: I saw, I saw it and I was like, "This is my dog."
1: <laughs> they picked three dudes and, and three uh, women to be their best catches of.
0: Uh, yeah, and but, you're looking dapper as always. Oh, this is like a bachelor type. It's like, the, uh, oh, so your yeah. inbox must uh, be filled up. You know your email address there too I started getting a lot of DMs. Oh from, uh, boy. From, from, sneaking from, into the DMs from lonely types. Nice. So you know, Steve, thank I, I'm you. I'm really proud of you, dude. I appreciate you. I'm really you proud of you. Thank you. I enjoy our friendship. I enjoy what we do here. Likewise. And uh, thanks likewise. for kicking me in the ass, man. It was good. likewise. So that is something good.
1: I appreciate you greatly. Enjoy your time with uh, the young Noodleberg.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have some fun this week. Enjoy we're gonna yourself. do Honda
1: and. Um, we'll, we'll be together all weekend. Yeah, we'll get yeah. him
0: on TV, too.
1: Man. Whether you like it or not. Uh, you want to do 57? Want to go for Heinz? A little F- Heinz 57? Heinz 57.
0: I yeah. might have to bring the visual ketchup. Or, there it is. Or, nice. <laughs> Steve
1: Nittleberg, Josh Cohen saying thanks for listening. We will catch you next time for 57 on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody. Thank you.